Today's guest is a longtime college friend of mine, Vinny Potestivo, whose career started really when we were still going to school together at Wagner College as a casting director for MTV and actually worked on a lot of reality TV shows, which has brought him now to his own production company where he mentors and helps other uh, content creators, creatives, people who want to build a personal brand as artists, as um, personalities, and he helps coach them, helps them maximize their reach and build a lot of content. So I think he's perfect for those of you that follow me here. Uh, he has a lot of wisdom and a lot of advice from that side of the commercial industry of what's successful in the TV and reality TV world. Plus, he has all that theater background and he's really, really fun. So I think you're gonna enjoy this interview with Vinny Potestivo. Hi, Vinny. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, I would not be anyplace else other than right here, right now. I'm so excited for what we are about to do. <laughs> Just, I am. Okay, we've, no, we've known each other for 20-something years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seriously, not even kidding. Because um, we both went to the same college, Wagner College. But the thing that I remember most, because I think you graduated a little bit ahead of me, but the thing I remember was I would never have gone to see a live taping of TRL if it weren't for you. Uh, you were the you were the reason I got to go into the MTV studio. You were the reason I got to work at MTV studios because there all of a sudden as a 20 year old, I was given this opportunity to find audience members and talented singers and dancers for say about karaoke and fun shows like TRL. And all I needed to do was go to my friends on Wagner College campus. And I literally would be nowhere in TV at all if it wasn't for that talented group of people that you know we surrounded ourselves with at school. I owe, and the proximity to Times Square, I, just, I owe so much to Wagner College and what we Same. did with that. You know, That's why I said earlier, I'm so excited for what we're about to do because we, 20 years we've, met, we've known each other, when we connect, something happens. Mm -hmm. Something happens out of it, change happens out of it. And I love that part about this. Yeah, and we'll kind of get to this, but I think that's really no coincidence that you and I are both serving our communities the way that we do, um, no, having known each other as long as we have. But I want to know a little bit more at the time, you were a theater major at Wagner. W when did you go, okay, I'm going to go into casting. I'm going to um, I'm going to shift into this more of a less theatrical, more pop culture TV kind of world. I love that question because you were there for it. It was <laughs> October 1998, and I decided I was going to be in casting. So I took out an ad in Backstage Magazine. I said, uh, Vinny Potestivo casting, searching for headshots for actors looking to be cast in all, all types of opportunities. Please send them in one campus road, <laughs> Wagner College, Staten Island. And I got in so much trouble for starting a business on campus and then flooding <laughs> Like the, it was like a it was like a Santa Claus you know Macy's moment for me. I was like, all of these are for me. They all have my name on it. Um, but it was October 1998. Um, you know, I said earlier. You know, we surrounded ourselves with so much talent. That's literally been like my consistent in life. I've always whatever I do, I seek to surround myself with talent. I am better um, with the. You know, the the more I surround myself with super talented people, I find myself being better. So I, I realize that. I think again in, in Wagner College, you know, um, I was an arts admin major. Um, we, I, I was in the shows, but also I was like the computer club president and um, the RA for my floor and the senior class, you know, student government president. And like I was, you know, active on campus and Wagner College let us do that. It let me be creative. I, I was actually known as like the tech, wasn't I kind of known? I think I wish, I hope I'm known as like the tech guy amongst the theater majors. Like if you needed to doctor a paper because you couldn't wink, wink, get it in on time, I knew how to fake a computer error. <laughs> um, but there, there was that hustle. And again, without, without being surrounded by, I mean, super talented, even down to the very last show I cast, on MTV in 2007 as I was leaving, which I helped cast, um, which was the search 
the search for L, legally blonde. Oh yeah. And, and my Wagner connections came into play yet again. Yeah. You know, that talent search with the Chico, which is so cool. It's just, I'm so proud to come from a lineage of talented people that you know studied in the same hall. I I know those halls so. And I think it's we funny. had very giving, very invested and very giving mentors, teachers, yes, but mentor, they really took on mentor roles because of the size of class and, and the closeness that we, you know, we had with projects and stuff. So I, I loved that development piece. I loved, I loved the acts. Going to Wagner for me was, first off, the people that I met there are still in my life to this day, um, much more than any other experience I had in my life. And then, but I love the proximity to, to the city because it gave us accessibility to some of the best training and experiences. And, um, but it was far enough away that you could still come back to campus and like focus, you know, and you weren't yeah. so distracted by, by New York City. <clears throat> but how did the MTV job come about? And, you know, what were your sort of intentions in taking that, that path when you decided to start doing casting at MTV? Yeah. Um, one of the things I learned at Wagner was the casting process. Um, I got <clears> cut. <throat> the, I'm not the best. I don't think I am the best singer. I don't think I am the best dancer. I'm, I'm like the kind of actor that's just myself and everything I do. So if that's acceptable, then that's the kind of actor I am. And, and I have tremendous respect for people who really take the craft on. That being said, you know, I wasn't good at auditions and I would get cut. But what I did well in auditions, especially in an academic situation, was I asked for a second chance. And that was something that most people probably still don't do. And I would say all of the, the biggest learning moments about being an actor, being a performer, about being received, about putting my, myself out there and being received, being understanding how my energy is coming across, understanding how how my passion might come across as 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 power and, and that may work or not work for me, you know, depending on, on the situation. And and I, I was fascinated by when I when I realized how to do how to be a better auditioner, because it didn't necessarily, I don't think, make me a better performer. But I loved the idea of 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 how to make that initial connection. And I realized that there were some fundamental things that I did that I knew I could teach people. Um, eye contact, uh, the, the small talk, you know, I knew that the small talk had to be good. <laughs> As I'm walking to center stage to sing my song, I know that that small, I got to make them laugh. I got to let them know what my energy is about, because if they think I'm this like amazing Broadway belter, they're going to be very disappointed. But if here comes this funny guy who can hold his own and he's six foot three and I, I, people think I'm like this small, you know, whatever, whatever the energy is that's picking. And I learned. I learned to use that. And also I, I mentioned earlier the technology piece. I learned how to put things on data on disc before, you know, when we were still shooting things on film and, and we probably had camcorders with v, mini VHS tapes in school. And I, I was the person in school who was already digitizing footage. So to answer your question about MTV, there were a couple of short gigs that I took here and there, you know, along along the way. But there was one major day that um, I was actually at school. It was November. I know, I think David Korzakowski came with me. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was me and David. We saw that MTV was shooting in Times Square. We said, let's go to Times Square. Let's stand out and say hi and see what it's all about. So we went to Times Square and based on this casting call that told us to do, to do so. And I went to the casting director and I said, look, I have lots of friends back at Wagner College who would love to do this sort of thing. And he goes, well, we're doing a very Busta Christmas special and it's a Y2K Blink-182 Christmas, you know, it was like back in that, that day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know people who would love to do this stuff. And, and, and our friends and Waggy alumni are embedded in like the opening of VMAs for the first 10 years of my career. And anything that needed theatrical talent, I was able to call on. So say about karaoke was a fun show to let people sing live. Mm -hmm. So there was your real voice on camera that I could give you tape for that you could then take and maybe give to a casting director or use as part of your reel. So I, I was able to help prioritize the casting process for some people to give them those opportunities. And just, it's just when you give talent a tool, podcasting, especially being one of them, now that you own your, your IP, 
You know, you've been in amazing project pr productions and projects that are written by other people and produced by other people. So congratulations to you. I mean, you you're a pioneer too. You you had branding down, and you know, we've been having this branding conversation for over decades. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that it's something that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So having people like you guide people and um i i feel like i've just always been curious even if i didn't know what i was doing i was just curious but some people just don't have that natural curiosity and so when they're talented or they're being recognized for their talent or they get or what happens a lot now with social media and and reality tv is people end up finding themselves in situations where like whoa i didn't know i was going to become i was going to get twenty thousand followers overnight and i don't know what to do with that so helping people I think is really it's watching you help so many people at this point um has been really beautiful to watch and I just think it I think people I think it's much needed I, you know we're watching actually on Netflix I don't know if you've watched it yet the season two of cheer yes I am okay I'm in episode they, eight right now just two after Jerry is what I've watched so far Okay, so like the one leading up to Jerry and they're talking about how quickly their lives were changing and how quickly they were just getting bombarded and, and God, if they had just had someone like you to help, you know, it's just kind of amazing to, um, to watch that spiral out of control. And I feel like that, can, that happens probably more often than we know about um, nowadays because of TikTok and social media and stuff, don't you think? Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps as you say that. Um, I had the same exact, I, I was that person for the Laguna Beach cast that was then the Hills cast and then the city. So um, when Laguna when Laguna season one aired, um, the kids, Lauren Conrad and, and Kristen and, and, and Steven and Dieter, like they had no clue what they were in for in terms of the amount of I and, and that was before I was that was before Facebook. I was also the guy that told them not to be on MySpace because if if people found out they were on MySpace and they would know what happened before the TV show and that might hurt, you know, the success of the TV show was my mentality back then. Huh. Um, and I left in 07, which is just when social the iPhone came out in July of 07. Facebook went public to non students in 07. So there's a lot of things that happened. Um, but yeah, the you know we we're not we're not prepared we're not prepared to for output let alone input to be honest as creatives many many of us focus on the output without being aware of the input and the input tends to be you know if, if it happens as a result of success it could be a trigger or something that makes you sort of fear being successful because um, you don't have a great experience doing that and what what I what I learned to do early in my career was find find success points, find, find ways to be successful early in your career. I think that's important because, because timing, too many people quit. I've, it's the number one reason why I've seen failure is just, you know, either time ran out, resources, you know, ran out, but that's, that's the, the biggest piece of it. So if you're going to be in this, if you're going to be in this industry, just be prepared to do it for a long time. And, 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 and I want to chat about some sustainable ways, ways to feed yeah. the beast, you know? Yeah, um, I did too. Because I think that, you know, that's one of the things you, you, you mentioned before we even started recording was sustainable creativity. Because I think no matter what industry, nowadays, so many people are able to be multi-hyphenates, multi-passionate um, creatives. So, you know, you may be pursuing an acting career. You may also be a social media star. You may also be running a side business, you know, um, people and that's a lot of what i i see happening now especially post pandemic is people really trying to create multiple streams of income but in order to do that you've got to put yourself out there you got to put your brand out there you got to put your marketing out there and you can really get burned out when it especially because so many people are trying to do too many things at once right they're trying to like dominate every single platform instead of um you know just really focusing on being an expert in one or two, uh, you know, so how do you, when you talk to, and I also just really love to hear what, what is it? Let's start with this. What is your definition of a creative? Because that's something that I, I run into yeah. a lot as people, people get a little torn. Am I an artist? Am I a creator? Am I creative? Am I an influencer? Like what's for you? Like when you talk about helping creatives, well, how do you define that? 
Yeah, that's so interesting, right? Because we could use creatives as the, as a noun and I, people who we identify as, we could talk about it, you know, being creative. And uh, for some reason, you know, being creative and being an artist has sort of been lumped into a certain category academically, I would say. Maybe it's maybe it starts maybe it starts there. So going back to, our, you know, our school roots, I do think if I look at academically how some subjects are separated, the arts tends to be a standalone where math and sciences, even English sometimes gets lumped in with math and science as opposed to English and arts. So that's so depending on, I think, maybe where you went to school in the States, that might even, you know, be different. I bet it is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, so that's first and foremost, the issue, language. We don't understand what the word creative means. We, the word talent has changed in the last 10 years, you know. Uh, talent traditionally was reserved for creatives as a way to um, make example of awesome creators who, you know, exemplified their talents and could be talent. And um, the human resources HR world, I think, has not to say hijacked or taken over that world, but have aptly so, you know, um, relinquished the exclusivity to creatives in regards to talent and programmers and off-camera, you know, talent. And in fact, talent brand refers now to the reputation of the total body of employees that work at a company as opposed to like, oh, it's Brett Shuford. He's an actor. He has a talent brand. He also has a coaching brand. He also has, you know, which is the way we use it. So language is all over the place. So I understand the confusion. That being said, I do think there's not, I don't want to say shame. Maybe there is shame in being a creative, you know, why? Because, because, because being financially successful and be, because being successful in business means earning dollars and that's measurable. <laughs> Less money out, more money in. It's very clear. Creative is the exact opposite. The more I use, the more I have. Not the more I use, the less I have. You know, the, the, I want to use all of my budget. I want to change the industry. I want to off offer new opportunities, give new voices. I want to hire as many people as possible. Those are my creative goals. So, so now we're being tasked with measuring our creative success with our financial and business success. And I think that that's where as quote unquote creators, people who identify as uh, making content or media and wanting to be paid from those actions, I think that that's where it's challenging um, because people are thinking of the business part of being creative in a very linear way in a very transactional way, the way that we know how to sell products and the, the way that we know they, or I should say they, I don't mean to see a we and a they, but I'll, I'll be on the creative, the way that business people know how to sell products and business people know how to sell services. We are just learning now how to sell our creativity, mostly because of intellectual property, right? So in the States, if, if I have a TV show idea and I've had many of them, I sell them to the TV network, the network and hires me to do the show and, that's actually in in other territories in the world. That's not the case. So um, Big Brother. So there's a lot of formats that go out of America first so that the producers can retain the intellectual property rights. And then they take those formats. Top Model is another example. Uh, Chopped is another example where they take those rights. And actually, I think Chopped is, is owned by NBC. But Top Model is a, another great example of a show that is independently owned and then franchised out by territories. It's it's the business of media, you know, um, and that's why fundamentally artist contracts aren't working. That's why Taylor Swift and Kesha and some of these artists are making the news because these contracts are 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 not ultimately as beneficial for quote unquote traditional talent as they sh could, should, and and will in the future be. And that's what blockchain is. That's what Web 3.0 is. That's when we talk about not getting paid from the gig. You know, you make a certain amount of money by being on a Broadway show, but you make more money in advertising a product because you're on that Broadway show hmm. and you sort of, you know, build your your value ladder out as opposed to up. And I think that that's yeah. sort of the, the big confusion. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is confusing for a lot of people because I think that it's a, it really is a personal choice, right? Do you, how you want to define yourself, yes. how you want to, how you how, how you want to move. If you want to move laterally, vertically, horizontally, you have. If you don't want to move, you know, if you just stand on a corner on an intersection of opportunity and success, where you know there's a timeline to the year that's always going to come back to you, or there's a, a timeline in social causes that are always going to come back to you. There's so many ways to show up in your strength that that you just need to put 
format and infrastructure to. You know, I'm not saying everyone has to be on camera. They're, you know, the, just because you have a video and it can point at you doesn't mean it needs to. So there's like plenty of other ways that, you know, we can play around with, with these tools that are giving us. And uh, I think also that's why I'm very excited about LinkedIn audio events that just recently launched. And I'm having a blast creating rooms in LinkedIn because these are people I've, I really value. I've worked with for 10, 15 years. And now, now we're able to communicate with a new tool, which is cool as opposed to just, you know, the video, the LinkedIn live or, or just, you know, sort of the interaction and captions and, and threads. So it's, it's fun to be able to play with those tools. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Finding and jumping on new tools is, is super important. So if you're not on LinkedIn and you haven't followed Vinny, go check them out. So talk about sustainable creativity. What does that mean? How do we avoid burning out when we are defining ourselves as a creative who wants to show up consistently? What, what are your suggestions and, and you know, how do you help people through that? Yes, this is a brilliant question. Um, so much so that I asked uh, Mandy Moore the very same question. And she said, the input dictates the output. And I loved that. I love the idea of needing to read and needing to ingest and needing to consume and needing to participate and not just the timely timeliness of what's happening, but in the relevance of what's happening um, to be able to create. So, so when I talk about sustainable creativity, I talk about creating an ecosystem where, where there's no burnout or where burnout can be addressed. If that's, if that's your cycle and regardless of what level you're operating at, you know, also, I really never look for peak performance. Cause that to me sounds like burnout and who wants to, <laughs> to be honest, as a, for, who wants to peak? <laughs> Ain't no one wants to be like, Oh, I peaked yesterday. So I mean, so that's, <laughs> you know, so the, again, it's just down to the words that we use to, you know, surround the way we approach creating. Um, even for me, it's, it's turning on a can when, before I set my lights up and before I set my shot up and, you know, I light a candle because that's like, for me, the first thing that I know is going to have the, probably the biggest effect is, is my environment. And now I can start now that I've got my vibe, right now I can start creating. Cause I'm well, the second I put lights on that's energy out. The second mm. I put the camera on that's energy out, especially if I'm looking at my own reflection, you know, during the recording, which I, I pretty much trained myself not to, uh, it was hard <laughs> at first, <laughs> but so much more rewarding when I can give up what you know what i think the perfect angle is and I, I don't get lost in my thoughts and that that was a big problem for me was being so mm -hmm. consumed with my surrounding being so obsessed with being perfectly creative that i would forget where i was talking about also i didn't even realize i was using like a seven i was using a camera that's in my imac instead of buying a 1080 camera of 60 frames per second 20 bucks off of amazon which makes me look as good as the celebrities that I'm interviewing. And, and by the way, I was doing that to myself. Like I gave myself the low, <laughs> the lo-fi, uh-uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and we have that control, you know, that's cool yeah. as creators. That's, by the way, you've worked on projects. You've never been able to say like, um, can you shoot me with a different lens, please? No, well, no, I, I mean, Maybe yeah. at a certain level, <laughs> you get to say that. I've never been there yet. I've never got there, that. but. <laughs> matters mariah so, carey level you know that's oprah level that's where you dictate oh yeah i would need that soft focus spotlight mariah carey on the sofa with the yeah, dog. Like, no 1080 hd for me <laughs> <laughs> so how what you know you're talking about infrastructure the input versus the output so when i hear you say that the first thing that kind of comes into my mind is how a lot of people aren't really sure what that input is for themselves, right? They're, they're, we can, it's very easy these days, this happened, this comes up a lot, where people are consuming so much that they get caught in the trap of despair, of compare and despair, because yeah. they're looking at what everyone else is doing and they're, they're either comparing their beginning to someone else's middle or, and so they're thinking, oh, I can never, I can never achieve that quality or that level um, so what, what's the point? So then they fall into this sort of, you know, paralyzing over analysis, you know, what do they call that paralysis and now anal analysis paralysis? Yeah. Um, how, wh what is the infrastructure for someone who's maybe starting out that you think needs to be in place so that you're 
taking care of that input and sustainably building a pattern or a habit around the output? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, be accountable for the amount of time that you're focused on the input. So here's a really simple way to do that. Um, when you search for something on Amazon, who gets paid? Amazon, right? When we search for something on Google, who gets paid? Google, right? In fact, Google gets paid so much that they feel bad that they got to go and give us Gmail for free and Google and G Suite and Google, you know, that's how they pay it. That is how they pay us back for us working for free for them. So when you're searching on Instagram, who's getting paid on Instagram? Who's, who's getting paid in Facebook? So why would you go to work and not put it on your schedule? Like, why would you do something during the day, a meeting? Why would you have an intentional conversation about something creative and, and not create the intentional space for it? So one of the recommendations I would say is create time to scroll and then create time to consume and also create time for output. And even if time for output comes and you feel creatively overwhelmed and still are not clear about like the next steps, the only thing I ask is that you don't consume, that you stay in that hard space that you've allotted for yourself and maybe make it five minutes at first and then 10. It's, it's literally like going to the gym. I say this because I've had a horrible relationship with going to the gym, loving it and hating it. And I know that, you know, it's not, it's not fun at first until a couple of months in, and then it's not the results that even get me excited. Then the, I, I, the energy thing does happen. You know, the, uh, the positivity does happen. The opportunities do happen when you start taking that action. And, and that, that's the, the fun part that you get to fill into, but create the space so that you can be meaningful about it. So just be aware when you're not creating versus consuming and then try to if possible um limit the amount of consumption you have or one of the things i do is i found myself like i i tend to like like these creators who are doing like save this reel and here's 10 they're like it's almost hyper consumption like i'm i'm following people who are giving me 10 posts in one not just one post in 10 carousel slides so i've actually been mindful of that lately i and I actually started following people who do that because I realized it allows me to scroll less and I get more information. And if I scroll as much, there's no way I can retain that information. Hmm. Um, and I, I also save a ton. So I, I use the native Instagram tools a lot. Um, I have categories for saved for all types of posts. I even use the, the flag features. My, this is my favorite thing to do on Instagram because we create all this action and activity. Um, and then there's opportunity in our inbox and we, we miss out on it because there's just so much other loud activity happening that I started flagging people that I potentially could work for. And flagging to me, I thought was like a bad thing in your inbox. So if you go into your, your inbox in Instagram, you swipe left, you can flag. You know, for me, I thought almost that's like a bad thing, but here it allows me to, you know, it reminds me that the people I'm open to doing business with are reaching out to me. And I hope no one ever gets access to my, <laughs> that's like a secret <laughs> black box version of like the who's, you know what I mean? Like who, who do I really want to do? And I invite a lot of people into my close friends and I post frequently in my close friends, which is a, a great way to get us following each other. This way I can make sure the people who matter to me in my life based on who can impact my life can see the work that I'm doing to impact others. And, and that's been my, my cycle of energy that I've seen, you know, the, the greatest return on. So, but having that infrastructure, you know, is, is important. And it all starts from just being accountable in time, because when you know what you want to do in a year, you can break it down by a month and then break it down by a week. Or if you know what you want to do in a quarter, you can break it down by three months. And, um, and I work with creatives to help them, you know, the metric of time is funny with people. Some of it's an emotion. Some of, you know, some people want to move when they can. Some people want to move when they have X amount of dollars, you know, in the banks, you know, so it's, and, and, and it all is right. I'm not down to change anyone's way of understanding time, but just that, that that's the single biggest challenge you have more so than finances and resources. Cause you know what? We have creativity. Now we have NFT, we can make something and it's worth tens of thousands of dollars now. Like that's like, that's the world we live in with. with so I like that part <laughs> a lot. I love that. I, I, by the way, side note, I just started a course on NFTs, learning about NFTs and something tells me you probably already own a few. 
Um, I, ha I haven't bought any yet. Um, you haven't yet. Uh, but I regret not being in the first wave. But I, no, it's a little it's a little bro code and I'm, I'm waiting for it to get bro code and then maybe I'll get invested in it, to be really honest. So that's the truth. Bro code. I love that. I'd never <laughs> Those heard my peeps. <laughs> Shout out to Judy Fox, the awesome LinkedIn guru, Judy Fox, who, who dropped that. That it's gem a little bro code. I'm me. waiting for bro code. Oh, my God. I'm so into <laughs> I got the one. I'm taking this to the next level, but I want real support. I want bra code. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is brilliant. Okay. So, I, you know, the thing that I com comes into play a lot with my audience is they are quite often performers um, or artists who really want to just do their craft, right? They want to to book work, um, get paid to do what they love and be recognized for that. And yet they also feel this pressure to put themselves out on social media. They feel like it's, it's a have to, they hear that so much. You have to have a social presence. You have to be online or they even hear like there's opportunity that you're going to pass up if you don't have a following. So they feel the sort of begrudgingly that they need to be creating content and it's not, it, it, so quite often when I'm working with people like that, it's about unlocking their creativity so that they can see that social media or, or, you know, that it's just an extension of who they are. And it's just an extension of their creativity and how to unlock that for them. But it's that piece of feeling like they're selling out, they're selling out their community or they're selling out the industry or the business or the craft. Like, and this, listen, Theater people are the worst, right? Because theater people, I think that my analysis of this is that theater people, we all got into theater because we were sort of, we, we didn't really fit in in our regular, you know, hometown or, you know, communities. And we could fit in in the theater. It was this sort of um, safe haven, this, you know, some people would even, Rob McClure says all the time, it's like a church, right? It's like this community that we feel safe in. And so there's so much, uh, resistance from theater people when it comes to building a social presence because they feel like you're selling out in some way. How do we help people, you know, with this idea of, of understanding that your brand or your putting yourself out there as a personal brand, as a creative brand, doesn't have to sell out what you do? Yeah. It, well, yeah, that's a, a great question. And a lot of it goes back to like how you're setting what your intentions are with the content that you're creating, what your intentions are in social media. You know, some of it comes back to mindset, um, which is probably something you, you touch on a little bit more, you know, and is the approach to, uh, not, not the approach to how to create, but why to create, right? It's not about, and I don't know how to get the perfect post, but it's about why, why are you seeking to create, you know, the perfect post? And, and so some of that, some of that is mindset, in that mindset, I've also seen performers, you know, a certain nationalities, um, certain ethnicity types, certain social types that just for some reason or another minimize themselves. They almost mm. make, we almost make ourselves smaller to make someone larger. You know, we think, <laughs> well, if I'm smaller on stage, I'm creating more room for someone else on stage when in fact, we know, and I'm getting goosebumps saying this, but like those moments when you were at your biggest on stage, center stage, being as big as possible, and I was 10th man from the back to the left, you know, making faces up, that's when I was at my best. Like you brought me into that moment to be my best. Mm. And I've struggled with this in casting off camera as someone who works so closely with celebrities to ever put my own brand out there or to create something that was larger than just me as, as you know, in myself without bringing in other people. So I, I have an agency and I've hired 30, 50 people. I've done the casting multiple shows networks, but what I, and which is awesome. And I realized I can be as effective and work with all the same people just in a, in a different arrangement. Now that, you know, this, this digital era has, has finally occurred and people trust, you know, working from home and, and connections we have trust. They now people trust people and output. But I, I think that making ourselves small is something I see not taking credit for something. So like, I, you know, one of the first things we'll do if we're working together is like, I'm a, 
I start on IMDb Pro. Um, upload, if you have an IMDb Pro account, upload as many photos as possible. If you want to remove a photo of an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend on Google Photo Images that keep showing up every time someone types your name in, upload 20, 50 photos of yourself that are relative to IMDb photos. And you'll see literally the next day that image will get pushed down to like page two. So it won't rank anymore on the first page. It doesn't get rid of it, but pretty much anything off the first page of Google doesn't exist, you know, anyway. And that's just like one of the little tips, um, you know, and, and, and Amazon has these free opportunities for IMDb Pro all the time. So like creatives who are out there who, you know, a podcast, you can get credit for podcasts now. There are digital series. Um, uh, IMDb actually changed. So for as long as I can remember, IMDb was only for actors. And now you have the ability to be represented on IMDb as something other than just an actor, which is pretty amazing because hmm. that's the internal struggle between creatives, unscripted and non-scripted. And, you know, theatrically, we split two ways, you know, into, into both of those buckets also. So there's always these, it's always this, interesting world of, of digital um, awards. So, you know, first off, I'm surprised at how many people don't realize that you have to like pay to submit for an award, like pay for the nom for the possibility the consider. Thank you for your consideration. Or thank you for the consideration You have to pay to be possibly nominated. And sometimes you have to pay to be in an academy or in a union to qualify to be <laughs> part of, you know, those awards. So so there are some pretty large awards, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, you know, we, you know, we Tonys, we know some of the larger ones over the last five years, there's been a huge increase in smaller awards, creative awards by creatives that are sort of adjudicated by peers, um, by fellow creatives. And um, some of it's low hanging fruit, you know, some of it's pay to play and you pretty much are guaranteed something, but you know, to that, I would like to say, don't be afraid to win an award that's large or small. People love working with award-winning talent. People look on award-winning lists to pull names off of to work with. And it's also, to be honest, a key differentiator. And um, I'm staring at a W3 award that I also know PBS and MTV have, you know, and, and their offices. So these, these digital awards for podcasts, you know, especially in 2022, I'd love to see this podcast go up and I'll show you. Communicator awards I love for podcasting. I love the Davy Awards. You know, if you start playing with video, we can talk about the Telly Awards. And that's how you go from being an award-winning actor to a multi-award-winning actor or having mm -hmm. a, an award-winning podcast, which if you're looking to get paid and monetize your podcast, that's another key differentiator. Um, I love mm -hmm. red carpet moments. You know, helping people realize that, you know, red carpet moments are important for celebrities. It tells the press they're showing up, they show up, there's a moment, there's an expectation, they deliver. Are you creating red carpet moments on Clubhouse? Are you creating red carpet moments on your live social media? You know, these are ways that people can show up and, and allow the audience to be invested. Like that's what having fans is, right? Is like the investment in you and the energy that the promise that you can create, that they'll show up based on the promise that you'll, you know, create something. And that's <laughs> social media is a wonderful way to let people experience your brand without having to sell them a t-shirt or merch or something just to poke the bear, to test them, to see, you know, if you're really worthy as an artist, but if they're willing to give you your time, I can't think of anything more precious or, or, or commoditable than, than, than time, <laughs> you know, so it's so true. <laughs> I like that part. And and social media helps with discovery. You know, social media for creatives out there, think about this. Um, some buyers are emotional buyers. And regardless of how many Tonys, Emmys, Oscars, you know, goats you, you got in your arsenal, if you don't make them laugh or you don't make their kids laugh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's just, it's just where their safe place comes from. And it's what's guided them and it works for them and it's kept them consistently, you know, successful and that's what got them to where it is and that's not going to change. So just be mindful that, that that actually happens. You know, I've had lots of talent get the final yes just because the seven-year-old in the executive's home loves that one the, mo the mostest. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> the mostest. The mostest, huh?
<laughs> Next time I do that, I make sure that everyone has little glitter ears on their head so that the seven-year-olds look at, you know, I know how to play the game and I give, I give my talent the right tools to be impressive. I like that part. That's the fun part. You want to, want to have fun? That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> how do people get to work with you? What's, how did, how, how did they get that opportunity to get guidance from you? Oh, that's um, it's it's been a lot of friends and people I know. Um, so re it, I'm on social media. Um, VPE.tv is my website. So if people are curious about the podcast I've created um, for other people, brand owners. Um, I don't just work with you know housewives and celebrities. Although it seems to be a lot a lot of what we talk about because it's the sexy truth is is I care about digital media. This private section of digital media that we own because we're making change. And I was at MTV when we also made the change. We just did it on MTV because there was no internet. It's so like, that's also the golden, you know, the 08 to 07 years. I mean, 98 to 07 years of MTV where, where youth culture made impact. And I think that, that I, I, not to say youth culture only lives in the digital ecosystem, but big change, cultural change, you know, comes from this. So I want to empower people. And at this, at this time, LinkedIn audio events is just rolling out. I think I might be like, what, someone said one of 200 people who have access now. What I want to do is give anyone the ability to use this tool. So I feel called to like, say, if, if there's a conversation you want to have, that's right for LinkedIn, like reach out to me. And I would love to, you know, see if it's an appropriate conversation to support and then and bring to the LinkedIn, LinkedIn system. And hopefully I just reached out to some people at Wagner. I thought it would be really cool. There's an LGBTQIA plus alumni association that was created recently. Um, and I thought mm -hmm. it would be cool if we were the first to break in on live audio so fingers crossed oh that. that's amazing i didn't know that existed it's brand new it just came out yeah just came out uh like second week of january amazing go wagner go yeah Seahawks. fun times <laughs> <laughs> um where do you think or where do you see all of this heading now you know post COVID 19 what changes do you expect to happen in the digital ecosystem in the next year for people, you know, who, who are maybe wanting to be prepared or wanting to be a little, a little bit ahead of uh, the game, what are your observations? I'm curious. Yeah, there's going to be more noise. There's more control over our content means we have, you're not aware of, of what you haven't been able to do with your content because of the controls that certain platforms have had over it. Now that a lot of those controls are coming back to us, now that we are owning our own IP, we're realizing the difference between advertising versus licensing. You know, advertising, which is fun fundamentally advertising, is getting getting your is taking time away from your audience to watch something that has nothing to do with you, so that you can get paid to make them tune into what does have something to do with it. About you. And I, I come from TV. I don't want someone. I don't want to be committed to an advertising schedule and um, licensing where I can own my content, where I can. Even if it's free and I'm, I'm licensing it for free to a platform who's then going to take it because I'm giving them the opportunity to license it for free. And then they're going to amplify it. They're going to aggregate it. They're going to put it in blogs that get pushed to hundreds or thousands of smaller micro blogs. So the amplification piece is important. Um, we talk about our audience as if it's like one innate or, you know, organism. We even talk about Instagram as if Instagram is one platform instagram is like seven surfaces you know what happens in reels does not cross over to feed does not cross over to dm does not and then poor guides <laughs> you know yeah like why what happened poor little guy I, I, I wouldn't be like yeah i see like a hundred thousand people working at instagram there's like one little guides coordinator who's like okay so we're still you know it's still going we're still there we're still here <laughs> it's a great yeah. way to stand out <laughs> like when i'm flipping through something like, all right guys and then yeah. i keep going <laughs> yeah, right. like yeah oh yeah uh-huh you can change the feed yeah sure that's yeah i guess that's important okay yeah you can <laughs> You, you know, even even if you look at Instagram since New Year's of this year, they've changed our ability to sort inbound information. So, you know, also we've had a very global um, communal sort of experience on these platforms. That's going to change because of customization, you know, to see certain things, not see certain things based on words or users. That's going to change our experiences. 
Um, <laughs> I laugh because my boyfriend says to me one day, oh, I, I don't even want to be on Facebook anymore. All I do is get hit by the like, Scientology ads. And I'm like, well, what are you looking up on Scientology ads? Because I'm getting like adoption and, and like <laughs> family planning ads. <laughs> so, so our experiences are already, you know, vastly different. That's going to be, you know, um, that's going to change. That's going to change how we communicate. It's going to confuse. We're going to assume at the lightning speed that we love to do that everyone's seeing what we see and we're going to be shocked and amazed when we realize even even the, the the placement of a speaker on 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 a screen, you know, from left to right and right to left, even that can be jarring enough to to detract from the message at hand. I think we're going to need to be laser focused on our messaging. I think we're realizing that nothing comes across in a single post, and that we don't create multiple posts and we don't repeat ourselves over and over again because. Um, no one's listening. We're doing it because everyone's listening. They're just <laughs> listening to everyone else. And we have to realize that, you know, that our time that, and I want to thank everyone who's listened to this, who's gotten this far in the conversation, because I know that I'm up against the new episode of Yellow Jackets and the new, you know, the, the, the newest download on Disney. And like, I know what I'm up against. I know how valuable your time is. And um, I think that, that we're going to be more conscious of that. And, um, and we'll have a lot more control over how people experience our content. We'll be able to give more context to our content mm. and we'll control that context continually. That, that's, again, Web 3.0. That's where, when, when I say Web 3.0, that's, that's where um, ownership is now ours. My ownership is no longer the platform that seeks to hold you know, my content, the network that seeks to, or the, the binding agreement that someone made me sign so that I could give them something creative in hopes of, you know, being successful. All that goes out the window and we no longer, especially as creatives, have to give that up, up front. And that's why I'm so passionate about podcasts. Create a podcast, put it in a podcast and then take it to TV networks because you own the IP. It becomes a whole different conversation afterwards. Um, in 2021, I created a podcast about whistleblowing lawyer. Um, we created the sizzle, by the way, and a couple of episodes that we never released, but the infrastructure was there. And it's currently now in production, unscripted at Netflix and in development, scripted at HBO Max. So podcasts wow. are creative Play-Doh. <laughs> it's really malleable. They can be turned into books, into uh, academies and and. TEDx talks and social media. I mean, it could just be turned into so many things um, and you can create it and it's good. It's not just like finger doodles on Instagram, <laughs> you know, or stickers, you know what I mean? It's good. And we could be good at it. And you don't even have to be quote unquote identified as creative to be successfully creative. And, and I like that about podcasts. Um, yeah. Yeah. And technology is just making it easier and easier. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. I mean, you, you've done so many things and you continue to do so many things. You've always inspired me and continue to. So I really want to thank you for so much wisdom that you shared. Is there anything you want to make sure you say or anything we didn't address you want to make sure we, we share with the audience? Oh, gosh. Final thoughts. Um, just yeah. start awesome and believe it. <laughs> you know, I, I was told early in my career, I was told early in life that I wasn't talented, to be honest. The next thing I did is I went and auditioned for Wagner College and I foiled my my audition. Like how that how they let me in, I still don't understand. I'm very thankful of it. But again, in that horrible, horrible moment, by the way, all I all we had to sing back in 1995 was Lame Is. So there, this boom of cool musical theater repertoire hadn't quite happened yet. And I was like, horrible stars. It still gives me like Ajda. But I used that moment to learn. I was in a room with two teachers that were capable of helping me experience something. And I use that opportunity, to be honest, I, I use it to let them show up as educators and as senior and as, as senior creatives that, you know, I was saying, help me <laughs> in that moment. I wasn't saying I'm the best in this moment. I'm saying I'm going to learn the most. I have the most room for improvement. You know, that's my shtick, but it's true. And I stay committed to it and beyond curiosity, because curiosity has brought me into these wonderful nooks in life. 
curiosity is amazing because it, it brings things into your life, but you have to know what to do with them afterwards. You have to have that infrastructure. You have to know a producer, an editor, a copywriter. There has to be people you know, in your team who can help elevate the things you want to create. I'm a creativist. I'm, I'm at best, you know, with mobiles and posters and, you know, if, you can, if I can make it in 3D, that's for me. You know what I mean? If I, <laughs> so, so that being said, I'm excited about what Oculus is going to do for the talent community, you know, whole level of audio talent. So for all you beautiful singers and voice artists out there, you know, look at all the animation that's killing it on every streamer right now. You want to know, like, there's so many awesome jobs. And for a long time, TV was was cluttered with unscripted content because it's much cheaper to create unscripted content than scripted content. Now what's happened is that the multitude of screens is demanding higher quality of content. And I think that for the creatives who stuck in it, who believe in it, that our time will come, your time will come. The, the role is out there. There are more unique roles out there and there are more unique audiences out there. So that yeah. even, you know, increases that just, even, even just knowing new audiences, same roles is exciting. So just stay in it. And um, if there's anything I can do to help, you know, keep you motivated and to help guide you to success early, you know, in your career, reach out, say hi. That's what I'm, that's why I make myself available. That's why I do what I do. You're amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes where you can get a link to follow Vinny on all of his platforms. And also check out the sponsors in our show notes. Kajabi has helped me build my business from zero to six figures. And right now you can get a free... 45 day setup for free of Kajabi. And if you decide to move forward in any way using Kajabi to build your business, by the way, Kajabi, check it out. It is a uh, all-in-one platform. You can manage everything in your business in this platform. If you decide to move forward, you would pay the same price as anybody else, but I would earn a commission uh, for you signing up. It costs you nothing and you help support this podcast and me. And it would mean a lot. If you're already a follower and a member of Kajabi, welcome. I am so glad you are on there. Uh, I Come say hello. Make sure that you say hello to me um, and let me know how much you love it. Again, check the show notes, follow Vinny, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to keep being courageously creative. <laughs>